The beauty market is a saturated one, and it takes both courage and vision to launch a new brand within the industry. A few years ago, such a visionary stepped into the scene, changing the landscape with her unique approach. Haley Bogart, an entrepreneur with over 15 years of hands-on experience in the beauty business, founded HB Face, inspired by her vision for a different beauty studio experience. I'm Ava Hartling. Welcome to the Brand is Female podcast, where every week I delve into the journeys of women entrepreneurs, leaders, and trailblazers who are redefining limits within their respective fields. Our guests unveil their unique stories in real and raw conversations, igniting inspiration for fellow women as they navigate toward advancement and achievement. Today, my guest is Haley Bogard, founder of HB Face. This season of our podcast is brought to you by TD Bank Group Women in Enterprise. TD helps women in business achieve success and growth through its program of educational workshops, financing, and mentorship. Visit thebrandiesfemale.com slash podcast and follow the link to find out how TD can help you. HB Face Studio reflects Haley's vision, chic, fresh, and inviting. A place where beauty is more than skin deep. It's about the relationships, the feedback from loyal clients, and the community that's been built around these spaces. Haley didn't have it easy. She experienced personal loss early on, and she turned tragedy into fuel to keep going and build a brand she is passionate about. From her early beginnings doing eyebrows in her own living room, Haley didn't stop there. She opened HB Face physical locations and launched her own skincare and makeup line, with each product echoing her belief that beauty should be fun, effortless, and stress-free. Join me as we listen to Haley explain how she embarked on this journey to bring her vision to life. Here's our conversation. Haley, it's such a pleasure having you on The Brand is Female today. Thanks for making time to speak with me. Absolutely. I'm so happy to be here. I tend to start these conversations in a, in a similar way because I love getting to the origin story and the, the answers are always so different and diverse. Um, so I want to know, when you were growing up, were you already thinking about doing something in the beauty space, being your own boss, or were you thinking of something completely different for your profession as an adult? Yeah, it's so crazy. I like at a young age, I've always known what I've wanted to do. And I think, you know, it really started like at the age of 12 when I was like doing my friend's makeup. And, you know, my mom, hmm. you know, brought me to get my brows done at the age of 10. So I just I always knew that I wanted to do that. And, you know, as the years went on around 17, 18, I said, OK, like, you know, with brows and makeup, how am I going to make money at this? Like real money. Right. Mm -hmm. Instead of just being an artist. So, yeah, I'm lucky. I've always really known what I've wanted to do. I love when that happens. And, and I want to say that's quite rare on the show. Usually, you know, even somebody who becomes highly skilled in a specific industry, it, it sometimes comes later. I mean, there's usually a connection with what we're dreaming of doing. But I love that in your case, it was very clear from the get go. So what what kind of next steps did you take? Did you go to beauty school that, you know, were you on that path right away? Yeah. So I actually grew up in a really small town. Um, and at the age of 17, I left Sarnia and came to the big city. Um, and I was doing brows and makeup at some amazing studios in the city. And then at the age of 22, um, I had some pretty tragic losses in my life. Um, I lost my mom and my brother uh, six months apart to mental health and addiction. And, you know, after that, it really kind of just geared me into, okay, like I can do this on my own. And mm -hmm. I did. And I had about 3,000 clients follow me to my home apartment. 
And I took business school at nighttime. Hopefully not all at once. Thank God not. Like every 15 minutes, my landlord was like, all right, like, yeah, you just might need to get a space now. (laughs) After one year, it got a little crazy. Um, Good problem to have. So, yeah, it was a good problem to have. And then, you know, obviously shortly after I opened up a small loft, 2019, uh, opened up our first flagship store in Toronto. And then shortly after that, Oakville during COVID, which was pretty crazy. I think I was like the only business like or any yeah the only business opening up a brick and mortar during COVID but I just wanted to get ahead of the game and knew that mm-hmm. I could uh, I could do it once everything remained back to normal so I was mm-hmm. lucky that way so yeah and who were kind of sources of inspiration for you I mean you know by that point we've had amazing women charting you know new territories and in, in the business space and helming their own um beauty brands and makeup brands and I want to talk about that because you've got your own space but you launched product as well so I want to hear the story behind that but who were role models for you I mean, I have quite a few uh, mentors, Jen Lee Koss being one of them. She's a Harvard uh, graduate and she's like an amazing entrepreneur. I'm, I'm extremely close with her. Um, and she's followed me literally since my apartment. And I remember her saying to me, she's like, got, you got the juice, kid. You got the juice. And I looked at her. I was like, oh, God. Um, so she's she's been amazing. I love her so much. Um, and then. Um, I've actually recently connected with Ali Webb. I think she's been, yeah. you know, we'd actually really have like the same, you know, business, um, mm-hmm. except mine is brows or she did. So yeah, she's, she's great. Love her. Interesting enough, by, by the time this airs, we, we just, we have an episode with Ali that's airing, uh, next week, actually. I know. I saw that. Yeah. She's, yeah, she's been great. And then, you know, right now I'm raising venture capital and I have some yeah. mentors that are, you know, really helping me with that as well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really, uh, I'm really lucky. So, yeah. So I want to talk about when you decided you'd do more than just offering services and you decided to venture into not only carrying product or white labeling, but having your own line uh, of, of makeup uh, and, and, and other beauty products. You, you do skincare as well. When did I, that idea come about and, you know, how hard was it to kind of go from thinking about it and starting to put it into action? You know, it's funny. Like it actually came hand in hand. Once I went to my own apartment, I, I was like, why am I going to carry other products? Like all of my clients trust me. I know what sells. I know what people love. I'm with them every 15 minutes. And then I did start to white label. Um, and then I carried a couple small skincare like I think it was Desium at the time and Kypress literally out of mm-hmm. my apartment. Um, and then, you know, shortly after that, I actually worked with Kat and that we did this like amazing mom kit that blew up. Um, and that really kind of got me off my feet. And I had a little bit more money to be able to, you know, launch my own actual line. I, like the first skincare, the skincare line that was not uh, white label was during COVID. And, you know, my first order was a few hundred grand. And, you know, I did a lot of brows to to make that order. And now it's just that's, like I'm constantly. That's a lot of brows. <laughs> it's a lot of brows. I constantly reinvest the money, um, you know, yeah. and as you can see, we just keep lip crayons and yeah, so it's like it's definitely hard because I don't mm-hmm. have any funding and you know, mm-hmm. you, I just got to work in like in my business and on my business so I can afford that side of the business, right? Right. And what when you started, you know, wanting to create your products and I think it's it's starting to be a little bit easier, but for a long time it was really difficult getting access to supply chain and beauty, right? Finding suppliers that would work with you on smaller quantities than the, the the big networks. Um so how was that? 
So yeah, that was really hard. Um, I have a great relationship with who I work with. Uh, he's from New York City. I think he's, you know, really believes in me and the brand. And I think I'm his only one small account. I begged him. I was like, listen, it's going to be amazing. Just please help me out. Like, I, like you have my word. So he's been great. Um, but yeah, no, I order like, you know, three, three to 5,000 units per color right now, mm-hmm. which is still a lot. But typically it's, it's yes, anywhere from like still decent. 10 to 15,000. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's quite, it's quite steep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it. when that bill comes. Oh, yeah. And yeah. When you make the 50% deposit and then you have like the rest yeah. of it to do in 30 days, you're like, okay, like I'm just going to make this. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it. And you just do it. So you've talked about starting to look for funding. And, you know, that's been an ongoing theme, I think, for all women who are raising capital, especially in beauty and in the beauty space. And we know in Canada, it's, you know, it's a tiny market. So I'm guessing you've you've turned to looking in the U.S., but what kind of conversations are you having? What's the process like? And knowing that women in North America get less than 2 or 3% of funding, and we know that a lot of the decision makers are men. I mean, I've had guests on the show talking about their process trying to sell a very specific, you know, women-specific women product, and then it's all dudes in the room who, you know, are not seeing the potential. So what's that process? And how do you know what do you feel may, kind of makes a difference to be able to sit at those tables and have those discussions you know i mean i go in there with confidence and i do like at the start it was very hard like i'm, I'm not gonna lie eight months ago i did not know what a deck was right and i did not know <laughs> uh what venture capital was like i wasn't rehearsed in that i don't i didn't go to like a business school like that and you know i have the grit and the grind that sets me apart but um yeah no it's it's very intimidating but I have learned to put myself in, you know, uncomfortable positions or, you know, like with people like that, because I want to learn from them. Right. Mm-hmm. But I feel that, yeah, it's, it's very intimidating. We've raised a million so far. We, you know, are looking to raise two million. That's and it's, it's just, one, it's yeah, thank you. But it's, it's not an easy market. It's really yeah. hard. And like, I know I have a great business and I'm going to keep pushing. And if like, let's say it doesn't work out. Okay, fine. I'll do it on my own. I've done it on my own. I'll do it. But I think, I think I have a very good chance of it working out, but yes, I have been tapping a little bit more into the U S I feel like it's a bit easier, but you're going to get a lot of no's before you get a, before you get a yes. Yeah. And And you you got to be able to keep going. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And it's definitely like a shot to the ego. You're like, shit, like, (laughs) I really thought this is great. But like, you know, and also men, they, yeah, men do have a hard time understanding the business. Rightfully so. I mean, like they don't, they don't get their brows done. They don't, they're all their wives come in. Right. Mm -hmm. They just see the bill. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's, um, you really have to be able to tell your story well. And Mm -hmm. I think what really hits home for people is kind of like the perseverance I've had, right? And and the story really goes a long way and being able to sell the story and yeah, I'll get there. It's mm-hmm. just, it's a, it's, an, it's a roller coaster of emotions. It's really not easy. It does take grit as you, as you pointed out. Do you plan on, you know, would you consider moving to the U.S. or establishing a company in the U.S. or is staying in Canada important to you? And I say that because, it's hard to make it in a small market like Canada. It is, it is possible to branch, you know, branch out and, and sell to, to the US market as well. There's a long list of, of entrepreneurs who have done it, but in beauty specifically, there's not that many successful Canadian beauty brands. 
You are very, very right. Um, it's funny you say that because, um, you know, with the funding, I will be opening two stores in the U.S. Um, Ooh, and okay. I do plan on, yes, like I do would love, my dream is to open up in all the metropolitan cities, which will be done. But, you know, obviously slow and steady wins the race with, so you don't make any mistakes. But, um, yes, we will be tapping into the U.S. market. I will not be opening any more stores in Canada. Yeah, that's, I do see myself living in the U.S. eventually, mm-hmm. yes. And do you, kind of connected to that question, has your experience been that there's support and we'll talk about women entrepreneurs specifically, is there enough support in Canada to be able, and not that it's anybody's responsibility, you know, to support small businesses or, or startups or female founders, but there are, you know, government programs. Um, it's, I, my experience in speaking to beauty and, uh, and fashion founders is that there's less options. So wondering if you feel that there could be more being done for entrepreneurs in that industry. Yeah, there definitely should be more. I just don't know how, like how to go about that, right. Or how to change that. But I think, you know, the more awareness we bring around it, hopefully that will change because, Mm -hmm. and hopefully one day I'll be able to tell my story of how hard it was and, you know, it'll, it'll make a dent in some way because yes, it's not easy. What makes a difference for you as, you know, female founder when, and I know everyone has good intentions and, you know, we have a lot of women listening to us who want to support women entrepreneurs. So what helps move the needle for you? I think what helps also move the needle is, you know, partnering with women um, and like collaborating with women and keeping, you know, your business fully female. And Mm. my business is fully female Mm. as of right now. And I, you know, try my best to to keep it that way. I think it's really important. And yeah, I like that. Um, What's been one of the, and you're probably going to say there were many, but if you had to pick one of the big obstacles or something that, you know, you wish you had known before you started doing this, something somebody didn't, somebody didn't warn you about, or, you know, one of the biggest lessons in your first few years of doing business. I mean, I wish I would have known how hard it is. (laughs) It's like, it's not easy, but I think that, um, you know, again, it goes back to, and this is what I know. And from my experience, I just feel like you gotta, you gotta have proper financials in place. You gotta have a proper team, like team. I can't stress enough is so important Mm -hmm. And I always say this and it's such a like cheesy phrase, but like, there's no I in team. Like for me that I'm one person and your team has to reflect you and be able to work as hard as you and want it as bad as you do, or you will not succeed. You just won't. And I always put myself in a room with women that I feel that are smarter than me so I can learn from them and they can also help me grow. And, you know, like we can help elevate each other. And I think Mm -hmm. that's super important. Yeah, I think, you know, when it comes to my brand, like I have a lot of products, mind you that, you know, my business does need that because I couldn't just come up with one hero product. Maybe Mm -hmm. if I didn't have the brow side of things, I would have came up with one product and really pushed that one product and made it a hero product. But other than that, I have to say I'm quite happy with how things have turned out. And another piece of advice is like, again, slow and steady wins the race. And it's that way there's no screw ups, right? Like if you just take your time and stay in your lane and focus on what you need to focus on instead of looking at everybody else and 
yeah. where everybody else is at and what they're doing and stay focused. And I feel like that really has helped me. Are you ready to be inspired and connected? I'm really excited to share that we have officially launched the Brand is Female Conversation Series. Come and join us for a monthly conference that's changing the game in Montreal, Vancouver, and Toronto. Engage with fellow women thought leaders, innovators, and visionaries. Get ready for insightful discussions and powerful networking opportunities presented by TD Women in Enterprise. Don't miss out on this opportunity to elevate your career and your network. Visit our website, go to the events section, and secure your spot today. I can't wait to meet you in person. When was the moment where you felt like, oh, I'm actually, you know, this business is going to work out. I'm not going back to just doing brows in my apartment. What was the turning point in your journey? I think it was when I opened up my first loft and I had like two other girls working for me and it was just me doing brows. And it got to the point where it was like, okay, like online's blowing up. I need extra help on the back end. I also can't be the only one doing brows anymore. I, can't, I don't like turning people away. Um, and then, you know, I bootstrapped the business. I had two friends at the time give me 70,000 and 70,000 and I signed the lease. That was the turning point. That was the turning point for me. And once I opened the first flagship store, it was like, okay, we're, let's go. We're on. And have you made a practice of celebrating your success? Do you kind of pause every now and then and look at what you've built? <laughs> Just seeing your face says it all. <laughs> yeah, it's very rarely. And I probably should a little bit more, but I'd never, I know this sounds terrible, but I feel like when you're comfortable, you don't succeed. And yeah. I feel like if I sit there and I think mm -hmm. too long, I will, you know, get comfortable and I'll be like, okay, I'm happy with what I have. But like, I don't think, you know, the entrepreneur in me, I just don't ever think I will be happy with just what I have. And that mm -hmm. can be hard too. Mm -hmm. So I should sit back a little bit more and be like, you know, it's funny. People come up to me and they're like, oh my God, like you've done such an amazing job. You should be so proud of yourself. And I'm like, I'm not even, I'm not even getting started yet. Yeah. I'm not even getting no, started yet. Yeah. Right. So, and people are like, yeah. are you okay? Like, what do you mean? And I'm like, I really appreciate it. But like, I just, you know, it's, it's a me thing. Like I have yeah. to, I have, and I also get like a little bit of imposter syndrome, right? Like it's like days, some days I'm like, oh God, what am I doing this for? And like, is it, is my brand good? Is it not good? And then after you snap at it and you're like, yes, like it's the, it's the roller coaster ride that can get you. So you just got to stay positive. It's hard. Yeah, it is. And I can confirm it's not just you. It, there's several female founders in the same boat. And I think, I think those moments to pause and recognize, you know, what we've achieved and built are important. But I love that line you said, you know, if you get comfortable, you're not going to be successful. It's a fine line. And I think that it's a fine line. Unfortunately, and fortunately, I've been uncomfortable all of my life and I've had to mm -hmm. overcome a lot of obstacles, like even before the age of 22. So being uncomfortable, you know, pushed me to be my ultimate best. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that uh, that says something. It really does. Yeah. Kind of going back to product and, you know, your brand it can be hard uh, in a space you're in. It's a saturated market. There are new beauty brands, makeup brands, you know, coming out every week. It seems like, uh, you know, there's big retailers like the Sephora's of the world who, you know, kind of occupy so much space in, in, in media and in, in real estate too. 
what do you find helps kind of make your brand stand apart, you know, make your, your name known? And how do you plan on really banking on that, especially as you plan a, a U.S. expansion? Yeah, I think, you know, I have like an okay following online and I, and, and I have a really great following in stores and I feel like I'm a trusted spokesperson and face for my brand. So I feel like people, you know, really trust me. So that sets yeah. a little bit apart. And then I would say what really sets us apart is we have the brick and mortar, but it's not just a brick and mortar where you walk in and grab product. We offer yeah. services and try the product on you and they sit up and they like, you know, have their face on and they're like, oh my God, what did you put on me? Mm -hmm. Right. And it just really goes hand in hand. And it's all about the experience from when the client walks in from when to when the client leaves. And I feel that's what sets us apart. And I always say, like, we are really the four seasons of eyebrows and not to knock Sephora or <laughs> it's, yeah, not to knock Sephora or any other kind of department store. But mm -hmm. when you walk in, I feel the expertise is a little bit different and you really have that one-on-one -on -one yeah. time with that person and they feel so amazing when they leave and then they're rebooking every three weeks. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's a constant, you know, well-oiled machine. And mm -hmm. I think, I think I do, I truly do believe that I will pave my own way within the beauty industry. I think we'll be separate from a lot of things and we're, we are going to do direct to consumer, for as long as I feel like we should. And I think mm. the brick and mortar and having the online it, like that, you know, even though everybody has online, I just feel like the story from in the stores has to translate to online. And I think we do a really good job of it. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that's what sets us apart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All, all uh, excellent points. What's your approach to, um, planning growth strategy is that you do you work with you know trusted external advisors um you know are you the kind of person who i mean if you're trying to raise funds i'm guessing there's been a lot of thought into the, the, the business plan and strategy for the future but how do you approach the process generally speaking so yes i have a i have a, a plan for the the next 12 months to 18 months whether we raise capital or not um and the plans looked very close very close in detail. Um, and I think that, you know, if we end up getting experts on my team, which is what I need, because I'm, you know, I have the girls that work for me, but I need people that are experts in this field that can help us market it and get it in more people's hands. And we have like, yeah, we have a big strategic plan. In fact, I'm like putting two massive bulletin boards up in my hallway next week and I'm going to do like massive timeline and I'm just going to see it every single day until I hit it. <laughs> but I Love feel like that. if I visually have it out there, yeah, it's funny what back in my apartment years ago where I had seen clients, I did this mass bulletin board right across my bed and I had all of these faces and I'm trying to come up with like the name HB face. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's it. Like all these minimalist faces, like the five minute face HB face. And like when you see things and they resonate and you just keep seeing them, it really, I don't know, it helps me. And mm -hmm. I am a massive believer of manifesting. So I think, you know, seeing it every day will mm -hmm. hopefully put my ass in check. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's such, I love that. And I, in fact, I was, you've kind of partly answered my next question. I was going to ask if you make decisions based more heavily on data or intuition and what role does your 
you know, gut feeling and intuition play in trying to make business decisions and, you know, decisions for the company overall. It's funny, my investors go, you know, like you've done a great job by, you know, leading with your gut instinct, but we really got to <laughs> put some data towards it. So it's a bit yeah. of both. Um, I, I really do go by gut instinct and nine times out of the 10, I am right. So I think having a bit of both is key. You've talked about believing in the power manifestation and, you know, the boards that, that you put up. Um, tell me a little bit more about that process for you, apart from those images that, you know, will kind of trigger the vision. Uh, what does that look like? And, you know, what's an easy way for I think I think a lot of women I speak to or, or, or some women have a harder time figuring out how to trust their, their intuition, especially if they come from backgrounds where, you know, data was driving everything. So what works well for you in terms of trying to connect with that vision you have and that instinct you have? Yeah, I think, I think it's a bit of both. And I think again, every, every quarter, every month, every week, there needs to be goals and they need to be, they need to be hit. And I think, you know, making a plan to hit those goals, which I've done even this year, and I've done a great job at it. I think, you know, setting the goals higher, but coming out with new ways on how you're going to get to the higher goals, whether that's okay. partnerships, whether that's what, whatever that may be. Yeah, you just you have to yeah you have to set goals. You can't set un, set unrealistic goals because you're going to get disappointed with yourself. I really believe you know getting like growing thirty percent a year is more than okay, especially for myself that doesn't have venture capital. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna that's a healthy number. I'm gonna grow at thirty percent a year and make sure I hit it. And whether that's coming out with new collections, hiring more staff, you know, getting you know, the studios up to like a ninety five percent capacity, whatever those doing more events, whatever that looks like, just hustling. <laughs> so yeah. I like that. Um, how do you make sure, and it sounds like you're, you know, you're someone who's very driven and you've got ambitious goals you're trying to achieve in, in, a, in a short time frame. Do you make time for yourself and for kind of, you know, wellness in general, staying grounded? Um, I hate the myth of work-life balance. You know, we used to be told women could do it all. I don't think we can have it all at the, all at the same time. And when you're building a business, it takes a lot out of you. So what does that look like in your in your own life? Uh, what balance? Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> exactly. Where? It's, it's really hard. It's like, for me, I think I've been actually pondering with this a lot lately. For me, I feel like this is my time right now. And I feel like I have to focus on myself, my well-being. You got to be healthy in order to, to do this and I lack the healthiness sometimes like I'm grabbing things on the go I'm not working out I'm like up late nights like working getting up early because I can't sleep because I'm so stressed out <laughs> but um I think you know I've made a promise to myself especially in this next little while um that I need to you know write but get back into writing in my journal I do a lot of meditations before bed to try to like chill me out um I'm I'm bad. No, I'm a bit of a robot. Like it's like kind of only work and it's, it's, it's bad right now in terms of a little bit of balance. And I think also with raising money, like, and being on the floor and doing product development and doing social, like I don't really have much time for myself, but right. it's it, like, I can't stress it enough. It is important because then I get burnt out 
And then I'm like, Mm -hmm. shit, like then I'm no good to anybody. So Mm -hmm. it's important to at least take one to two days off. I don't really have anybody else. You know, I have a significant other, but I don't really have anybody else I have to worry about. It's like myself and my team. And, you know, I don't know if that's healthy or unhealthy. It can it can be unhealthy for some people. Um, But that's just because all I have on the brain is work. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's it's hard. And like lately, I've also been thinking like, okay, like I'm 32. I'm not getting any younger. Like, do I want kids? Mm -hmm. Right. And. I said, okay, where do they fit in in the equation? Where do they fit in? And like, if I have kids, it might, it's going to slow me down a bit. Right. So Mm -hmm. you got to, you got to, and you got to have the right partner and, and all those sort of things. So then I'm, I said to myself, I'm going to freeze my eggs. That's it. So I'm freeze my eggs this year. So I think there's sacrifices that need to be made for like for myself. That's, that doesn't work for everybody, but I think Mm -hmm. it's just because, you know, I felt like even a little setback in my 20s with everything I went through. It was like I could have been farther and and I just, you know, was dealing with a lot. So now now it's game time. So that's just how I feel. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 your path. Right. I don't think there's a right or wrong way of doing this. So we're each of us are figuring out what makes sense for us at, at this moment. What. What is your definition of leadership? What does being a leader mean to you in terms of your team? But you're also, you know, you're literally the face and the name of a, of a brand and that comes with responsibility. I think when it comes to being a leader, like my main thing is always being fair mm-hmm. to everybody. Um, and I'm really big on culture within my, you know, my work my workspace and you know all of my my staff are extremely happy and I really care about making them happy obviously there's a fine line <laughs> but I think that's the culture within a workplace is extremely important and I really strive on that it's mm-hmm. funny I ask like okay like my investors ask me like are you going to be franchising and I said no I said I want to hire with from within and I want to profit share with my you know, my existing staff. So they feel a part of something and I feel, you know, like just the things like that. I think yeah. it's um, being a leader. You have to lead by example and, and inspire them and make them feel a part of something. No, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. What was the, what was the answer from the investor? Were you hoping you would franchise? Was that more, it would have been a more appealing model? No, they said, you're absolutely right. We love that. We think that's amazing. So, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. And you shared a ton of great advice, you know, throughout the conversation. If you had to distill it down to two or three pieces of advice, something you wish, you know, every woman entrepreneur would know about, what would it be? Um, Advice in life or business? (laughs) They often overlap. So feel free to go either way. (laughs) Okay. So I think more or less being it's you have to be organized um, you have to be consistent. You have to really want it. And you have to, like I said, have a really good team around you. And I think that's super important. So, yeah. I mean, that all makes perfect sense. Um, what's next for you? We know you are fundraising, planning on opening those stores in the U.S. Can we expect other big developments? I know you've just launched an exciting new product. Uh, so what's what's on the kind of 12-month horizon for the brand? Yeah, so I have about four or five collections we're launching this year, what? which will be great. And then, you know, it really 
I'm going to see what happens with raising this money. We'll see what happens. Um, And then if not, even if we don't, I will be opening at least one store in the U.S. Um, And this year, I'm really going to focus on partnerships and collaborating with like influencers and really focusing on my online strategy. Uh, I think that lacks a bit for for us. So I really want to focus on that this year and, and kind of figure that one out. So, yeah. Yeah, that's an important piece. Love it. What's a goal for you personally in the next 12 months? A goal for me personally is to have work-life balance. (laughs) (laughs) When you manage to do that, we're coming back and doing a two-hour conversation just on how you achieve it. Okay, absolutely. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, taking more time to myself, definitely. Um, And and trying to be as healthy as possible, meaning like eating healthy, working out. Um, And I actually really want to come up, like I really would like to do it, pick up something and be really good at it on the side of work. Um, okay. When I have a little bit of time, whether it's like tennis or something that can like keep me occupied without thinking about work for like at least, I don't know, a couple hours a week. I think that's probably a healthy thing. What do you think? <laughs> I love that for you. I, I think that's great. When when you figure it out, give me a call. I will. I will. For for one. <laughs> no, that's but that's it's, it's great that you're also kind of build, you know, bringing that aspect into the into the picture. Um, well, Haley, it was fantastic hearing more about your journey and what you're building. Very excited for uh, what's coming up for you in the future. Let's stay in touch. And thank you so much for sharing all your insights with me. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. This season of The Brandest Female is made possible with the support of TD Women in Enterprise. And they're about confidently building you. As a woman entrepreneur myself, I know I need all the support I can get. It takes sound advice plus guidance to the right connections, tools, and resources. What's great about TD Services for Women in Business is their collaborative approach. TD can facilitate and connect you to workshops, coaching, and mentorship, and engage other like-minded business leaders in an authentic way so we can share experiences and learn from each other. TD Women in Enterprise has banking specialists who are able to be proactive in the advice and guidance they give to women in business. Thank you so much for listening to the Brandis Female Podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you to TD Women and Enterprise for their support of the Brandis Female. You've got it in you to succeed. Let TD help guide you. Visit thebrandisfemale.com to learn more.